0: Today we live in uncertain times in our nation. It can be easy right now to be driven by our fears, by our anxieties, by our worries. But this is not the will of God for His people. Today we're going to look at this passage about God's provision and Jesus' call for His followers to trust in that provision. Before we do, I want to look at the broader context of this passage If you look there with me to verse 25, it says the word therefore, meaning that what became, came before that is important to understanding this text that we look at this morning. So what was it that Jesus just spoke about before he moves here to verse 25? Well, if you look to verse 19, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for you will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this is the context... ...of this morning's passage. We have two types of people that are laid out here... ...in the preceding verses. One... ...that is characterized by their love of money... ...by their love of earthly treasure. The other... ...by their love for God... ...seeking Him and His kingdom. One, an unbeliever. The other... ...a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ... ...a follower of Christ... ...a Christian... Jesus is calling the believer here to lay up for themselves treasure in heaven. To be unlike the rest of the world. To not place their treasure in temporary things that are fading. To not constantly focus on amassing earthly treasure that will ultimately fade. That will ultimately be destroyed that cannot last. Instead, as believers, we are to lay up treasure for ourselves in heaven. In other words, we are to be Heavenly minded, we should be seeking God's kingdom first. We should be seek. We should be focused on the work that God has for us in this life. We should be driven by our life for Him and His glory, for His kingdom, for His His will here on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be unlike those who are constantly focused on money, on this life, on the here and now, on what is temporary, what is fading what is dying, on what we cannot take with us. We cannot be those who are driven by greed and covetousness, by self-preservation. This is the heart behind what Christ speaks of here. One person who pursues riches for fleshly desires. One whose heart cannot be with God because they are devoted to riches in this life. As you can see in this text that we just read, there is no neutrality. Your heart will either be with your treasure, or it will be with God. Christ will either be your treasure, or your possessions will be your treasure. Heavenly things will be your pursuit, or earthly things will be what you pursue. Money will be your love, your master, your devotion, your God in this life or you will serve the living God. As Jesus says, you cannot serve both. Jesus is saying that you cannot serve both God and money. What He is not saying is that the rich, or the rich in this life cannot serve Him. That's not what He's speaking of. He's speaking of those who are serving riches, or those who are driven by their covetousness, or those who riches control in this life. One who has become a slave to this pursuit of more. And think about that for a moment. This doesn't have to be a wealthy person. This could be any of us. This here is an insatiable desire to have more, to want more, to not be satisfied with what you have, to constantly need more and more in this life. Jesus speaks of where the devotion of the heart is. Where the desires of the heart is where do you find your security your trust what you amass to yourself can show us so this is what Jesus is speaking of as he starts this section of scripture on worry or anxiety he's asking us what do you devote yourself to to the things of the world to money to wealth to the fading materialism or do you devote yourself to God those who are devoted to this world, to material things, they cannot help but worry. They cannot help but have anxiety because all of their wealth, all of their worth, it is in what is fading. Their desire, their security, their safety, it's in earthly things. But here's the thing about earthly things. They are a fading treasure. All, this, all the money... That they have valued self-preservation. Nothing. It cannot last. It can be your constant pursuit of life, but it's never going to satisfy. It's never going to be able to save you. And so it will become your constant worry. No money. It cannot save us. It cannot be our benevolent God. It cannot save our souls. It cannot free us from our sins. It cannot satisfy the heart. And so to pursue things will cause a constant desire for more of what cannot satisfy. And it will leave us wanting. It will leave us with anxiety and worry. It will leave us unsatisfied in this life. Worrying constantly that we must lose what we have. And needing more of what we do not have. But Jesus tells us here that the people of God are to be different. They are to be unlike the Gentiles, unlike the world. While we will still struggle in these areas undoubtedly in our life, these verses here are Jesus calling us, every single believer, to trust in Him, not wealth. To trust in Him, not earthly things. To trust in the Father to provide for you. To trust in God, not yourself. To trust in God, not your government. To trust in God who is the great Provider. This is what Jesus wants us to see here. Remember this. For the one who has treasured Christ, this is what this text is speaking to. This is what this text, this is who this text is addressing. Remember that, therefore. Why is it there? Well, Jesus just spoke of the one who will choose Him. So, the one who is his servant, the one who lives for him, the one who serves him, he says, therefore, in verse 25, I tell you, servant of mine, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And body more than clothing? What Jesus is not saying in this verse is that these things are not important. He's not saying that they are of no concern. If we look at His words as a whole, He gives us the main thing in this passage. The main thing that we are to be concerned with. The thing that is up here, and all other things are down here. And that is in verse 33. There in verse 33, if Christ is your master, if Christ is your king, if Christ is the one you serve, if Christ is the one who you are completely devoted to, then this verse 33 should be the main concern of your life. It says there, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is to be the Christian's main concern in life right here. Seeking God's kingdom first and His righteousness. In fact, it should be our pursuit that drives us. It should consume much of our life. So much so that the other things in life, the the food, the clothing, the drink, those should be of very little concern. That's what Jesus is telling us in this passage. Our devotion to God, His kingdom... This should be our main pursuit in this life. So much so that everything else in life looks secondary. In fact, even our desire to have food, our desire to have drink and clothing, it should be looked at through the lens of verse 33. I want all these things. I need all these things in my life so I can better serve Him. So I can be more devoted to His will, to His glory, to His mission, the Gospel going forth to the nations. This is what is in mind as we look and consider the words of Christ this morning. So in verse forty, verse 25, Therefore, assuming you have made the right decision to follow Christ, to, to serve Christ, to have Christ as your Master, to treasure God and His kingdom, not earthly things, now He says, don't be anxious about your life. This is very clear from the passage. And it's sinful for us to worry. It is wrong to worry. And what is it that Jesus says we are not to worry about? Well, He tells us what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. Is Jesus telling us in this text that we're not to work? No, that's not what He's saying. We're not to be lazy, foolish, or unwise. Nothing is being said about any of those things. No, all of Scripture calls His people, God calls His people to be wise and to to work. A verse that sums it up is 2 Thessalonians 3.10. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. This is not what Jesus speaks of. What He forbids here is not work, it's not wise provision, it's not preparing for the future, but a worry in our hearts, a corrosive anxiety in our hearts that is constantly worrying about food, clothing, and drink, and provision in this life. A worry that consumes us. That makes us act and think as if God does not even exist. As if it was all up to us to provide for ourselves. As if there's not a benevolent Father in Heaven that knows the number of hairs on your head and desires to care for you. Dr. Joel Beeky, he says, he calls it a practical atheism. That is, while we, we say we believe Him, we say we trust Him, we say that we know Him, we say that we believe in His good attributes, we live as if we don't. We live as if He does not exist. We're constantly in turmoil and anxiety as if we don't believe He exists. As if we are in control of our own lives. As, as if it's all up to us to provide for ourselves. This anxiety here in this text, Jesus clearly forbids it. It is sinful. It's a deep lack of faith, of trust in God. It's a constant fear, a constant gripping worry about what will we do next. A constant what if in our life. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't get this or don't do that? Ultimately, Jesus is telling us that this is rooted in unbelief, in our distrust in God. This anxiety here that Jesus forbid, it clearly consumes the person. Look at what he says in verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The implied answer is, yes, of course it is. The implication of this verse is that This type of worry, it reveals our hearts. It reveals that this person here, they've been given over to anxiety. It reveals where their devotion is. Where their concern of life is. What they think is most important in life. And what is that? Food, clothing, drink, a constant worry. I don't have enough. A constant desire for self-preservation. A constant fear of the unknown. And really this morning as we look at this, this is the natural state of man apart from Jesus Christ. Having anxieties that are rooted in fear or greed as we just spoke about in the previous passage. Immaterial things. But as Jesus says here, that life, it's far more than this. And of the Christian, we are not to have this type of anxiety. He's now going to give us two illustrations that will help us to see how foolish our worry is. He will argue in both from the lesser to the greater. So look for that as we we go through these next verses. In verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. They They don't gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father, he feeds them. So he calls our attention to creation. In particular, he calls our attention to the birds of the air. Who created them? God did. He is, he is their creator and in his divine providence, he has given them life and he has given them food. It is by his hand that they are sustained. Again, I must say, this is not a call for people not to work. Think about the birds. They actually go and they get their food. God is not expecting here in this text that people would just lift up their heads to heaven and be fed. That's not what Jesus is saying. But what is He saying? He's saying that it's not that the birds don't work for their foods, it's that they go and they know they'll find it. That these very simple creatures, they're without worry. They go out and they find food each day. They don't have storehouses or barns full of food. They have no massive stock of worms to which they are going to go and get provision from. They are fed daily by God, their provider. That is the point. That God, our Heavenly Father, has provided for the birds. And what does Jesus say in the very next line? Are you not more valuable than they So what's the lesser? The birds. What's the greater? Us. We are made in the image of God. That is who we are. And Jesus is saying here that we are more valuable than the birds. That we are created above the animals. And He cares for us. Think about that. He cares enough for the birds that are of little value according to Jesus in this text. How much more will He care for you that he loves. How much more will he care for you who are created in the image of God? Charles Spurgeon, he said this on this verse. Do you believe that all, after all of your earnest labor and your industry, God will permit you to starve when these little creatures, they labor not, yet they are fed. He feeds the birds. How much more you? who were created in His image. How much more you who God loves? How much more you who you call Him Father? How much more you who He cares for? How much more you He will provide? We need to trust Him to do so. Jesus continues in verse 27 and He says, "...and which of you being anxious can add a single hour..." To his lifespan. Which of you can add any length, one cubit, anything to your life? Can worrying about what you eat and what you drink and what you will wear, can it add any length to your life? The implied answer from this text is absolutely not. The text literally means can you add any length to your life? Ironically, it has been medically shown. That anxiety and worry will actually shorten your life. Not only will it not lengthen your life, it is corrosive to your health. Worrying, like every other sin, has consequences. And it's been proven medically that it can be detrimental to your health. John MacArthur speaks to this point saying, worry affects the circulation. The heart, the glands, the whole entire nervous system. Worry is corrosive. It does the opposite of extending our life. I also want you to see another application of this verse. Remember who gives us life. Who gives us life? God gives us life. Remember who takes away life? God takes away life. He is the one that determines the number of our days. He determines whether our life will be long or whether it will be short. And to our folly, we can be completely obsessed with things like diet, exercise, hoarding and prepping, thinking that we will be able to extend our life. I'm not saying that in moderation some of these things cannot be wise. But we have to remember who gives us our days, who gives us our breath in our lungs, who is in control of all things, who is the author of life, the giver of life, who has determined every single day that we will live. Worrying and having anxiety about your future will not add to your life. It cannot stop the moment that God will take your life from you. And if God has not yet taken your life from you, it will not be able to add to your life. Instead, it reveals that we're not trusting Him. We're not looking to each day that He is given as a gift. We're not realizing that as His children, that we are on earth here because He wants us here. The wages of sin is death. The first moment that we sin, God could have taken our life from us in an instant. But we are still here because He wants us here. He still has purpose. He still has work for us to do. We still are here because He wants us here. Jesus continues in verse 28. He says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And then he speaks about how Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He goes on to say, if God clothes the grass of the fear field which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Jesus now wants us to turn our attention to the lilies. When we are anxious about the clothes on our backs, we should consider the lilies. That's what Jesus is telling us. Think about them. They neither toil nor spin, yet they are clothed far more beautiful than Solomon ever was. But Jesus here, he tells us how important they are. That these lilies, they are fleeting. That they are here today and they are gone tomorrow. They are alive for a short time. And then when they are dead, they are thrown into the oven to be burned. So here's the point. So something with this little value, with this little lifespan, is richly clothed by God. Again, the lesser, the plant. If these lilies of little value are clothed, how much more you How much more you, who God profoundly values. Undoubtedly, those who heard this, like us all, would struggle with worry. You know, they struggled to get food far more than what we do in our day. And they would have struggled with anxiety, just like we do. But Jesus, He rebukes them here. In verse 30, what's he say? He says, you of little faith. It's really that simple. We have anxiety. We have worry in our life because we have little faith. You look around at the culture. You look at all the fear. You see how people are being driven by fear. They're making irrational decisions. And here is the reason why. Little faith. Oh, you of little faith. We worry and fear because we do not trust God to provide. We forget His goodness, His grace. We forget that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We have little faith in this life. But the lesson from this text is to look around at creation. Look around you and see how He provides generously for what He has given life to. And you being created in His image, being the crown jewel of His creation, how much more will He provide for us? Yet we live in a way that shows that we do not believe this to be true, often. Our anxieties and our worries in life, they are tell, telling us that we do not believe this to be true. We live in a way that states that I've done this, I've provided for myself. I've built this. I've kept myself alive. I am the reason that I am here today. And because I'm the one that's giving everything to myself, I must now go get more. I must now worry and constantly plan on how I'm going to get the next thing. Because what if it runs out? What if there's not enough? What will I do? How will I live? I must do this. I must do that. This is our heart. We're not trusting in God. We're thinking it's all on our shoulders. We're thinking that everything that we have in this life is because of what we have done. Well, maybe we do need to do some things. But the lesson from this text is that we're not to fret. Instead, we are to trust in God for our provision. When you put that plate of food on your table, you look at it, do you look at it and say look what I've made? Look at what I've provided. Look at what I have done. Or do you say God has provided. God has been good to me. God has been gracious to me. I really hope it's the latter. And if he's done this for you in the past, Will he not do this for you in the future? Jesus says to forget these things is to live as an unbeliever, as the world, or as Jesus says here in the text, as a Gentile. Matthew 6.32 says, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Whether from greed or fear of death, from fear of loss, from, from a desire to self-preserve. This is how an unbeliever acts, Jesus tells us. Worrying day in and day out over these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? When we constantly focus on such things, Jesus tells us in this, this text, we are acting like those who have no God. We are acting like those who have no belief in the living God. We're acting like those who serve money rather than God. Those who are mastered by their circumstances and their desire for more. We act like those who are trying to save their lives. Ultimately, to the detriment of their souls. We're acting like those who have no peace, no rest in this life. This is how the worldly live. But not the Christian That's what Jesus is saying here. Not the Christian, not my people, not the people of God. This is how the world lives. Instead, Jesus says we are those that need to live by faith, trusting in God, knowing that he knows we need these things. He knows we need food and drink and clothing. And he will provide those things for his children instead of those things being the focus of our life, being our constant pursuit, Jesus gives us what our focus is to be. And that's what verse 33 tells us. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not second, not third, not anything else. Above it, first in your life. Not equal to anything else. First in your life. The kingdom of God. This is the very first priority of our life. This is what is to drive us. This is to be our heart's cry. This should be our desire of all of life. This is what we are to seek. This should be the lens to which we see the world through. The reason what we, that we do anything in this life, it should be driven by this verse right here in verse 33, to be seeking His kingdom first. Our focus must be kingdom driven. Our wills must be bent towards God and everything we do in life. We must first seek his kingdom. One commentator said this about this. What this verse demands is therefore a commitment to find and to do the will of God. To ally oneself totally with his purpose. And this commitment must come first in our lives. He says here not only his kingdom, but his righteousness. And here in the text he's meaning right living in the name of God. Living for his will, his purpose. Seeking to know him. Seeking to walk in his ways. Seeking to do his will in this life. Seeking to grow his kingdom. Seeking his kingdom come. His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we are to seek his kingdom first and a righteous life in Christ Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say, and all these things will be added to you. What things? Food, drink, clothing, all these things will be added to you. That is, the trivial things of life compared to the kingdom of God, compared to kingdom living, they will be added to you. So focus on God, focus on his kingdom, focus on his will. Focus on the way He would have you live in life and all the other things in life will fall into place. He will provide for us. It's a heart that says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. No longer my will, His will. Not my glory, His glory. I don't want to seek my kingdom, His kingdom. And His righteousness. And Jesus is telling us here that the lesser things of the world that your heavenly Father knows you need will be added to you. That's where our focus should be. J.C. Ryle, he summed up this passage saying this, Jesus, he forbids us to be anxious. He forbids us to keep up an anxious spirit about the things of the world. Four times in this text he says, don't be anxious about life, about food, about clothing, about tomorrow. Do not be anxious. Be not over careful. Be not over anxious. Prudent provision for the future is right. But wearing, corroding, self-tormenting anxiety is wrong. This sums it up well. Jesus moves on in verse 34, and we'll try to wrap it up here. With verse 34. He says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble or evil of its own. This verse here, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Right? And we live in a time that desperately needs this verse and Christians right now, we desperately need this verse and we must apply it to our lives. You and I have no clue what the future holds. We don't know. We can speculate all we want. We have absolutely no idea what tomorrow holds for us. We have no idea what this nation will look like in a couple months. One thing I know for sure is worrying about it will not help. Having anxiety about it is not going to help us. Sinful worry will only make things worse. Maybe there are some wise things we can do to prepare in the coming months. That's fine. Go ahead and do those things. But we can be those who do those things and not worry at the same time. We should not be acting like the Gentiles or the world who have no hope in this life. Those who live in constant fear, those who live as if Christ is not our Savior, as if Christ has not conquered sin and death, as if we don't have an eternity with Him waiting for us. We cannot live as those who would love their lives unto death who would seek to save their lives and lose it in the process. We must remember that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He washed our sins clean. He clothed us in His perfect righteousness. He died in our place on the cross. And we cannot live as those who would believe He's going to abandon us now. We can't live as those who are automatically going to think that God is now going to somehow deal harshly with us. No, no matter what the world looks like out there, we must be a people that have our hope firmly rooted in our loving God. We can't know the future. We can't know what tomorrow holds. And there is absolutely no reason to worry about it. That's what Jesus is telling us here in this verse. There's no reason to worry about tomorrow. For you have enough to worry about today. There's enough trouble. There's enough things going wrong right now in this day. You don't need to move on to the next. Charles Spurgeon, he commented on this verse saying, you cannot live in tomorrow, so don't fret about tomorrow. You live in today, so think of today. spend today to God's glory. And leave the care about tomorrow until tomorrow comes. JC Ryle, he said it another way. He says, we cannot carry the cares before they come. We are to, to attend today's business and leave tomorrow's anxiety until tomorrow dawns. We may die before tomorrow. We know not what may happen tomorrow. The only, this only may we be assured of that if tomorrow brings a cross, the one who sends it can and will send the grace to bear it. To sum it all up this morning, and my last words to you this morning is this. Don't be anxious. Trust God. Focus on what Jesus told us to focus on here in this life. His kingdom, His righteousness. This is far more important than what we shall eat, what we shall drink, and what we shall wear. Trust God, and He will give you these things as He pleases. In these difficult times in our nation, please, trust God. He is with us. He has said He would never leave us, nor forsake us. He is a good God and we can trust him.